Sometimes the rejection of the world, those people that are out there, those things where you might feel rejected, and maybe you really thought it was a good idea or it's a good relationship or it's a good way to go, and it's a rejection, it's a no, that might actually be more for your protection than anything. So the rejection winds up being David's protection, and he doesn't even know it. So do you have a heathen or a Christian or both telling you the same thing? Maybe you got a Christian friend telling you one thing and a heathen friend telling you the same thing, and you might want to just stop and go like, wow, you know, this whole thing, it could be God. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purposes. This is a very popular Bible verse, and many times you hear it quoted as, All things work together for good, period. Pastor Mark will be reminding us that the second half of the verse is more important. Everything will work out eventually for good to those that love God. God is sovereign and ultimately in control of everything. So when a good opportunity is missed, or we're forced to change course, it's because God knows what's ultimately best for us. We need to lean not on our own understanding and trust in God. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 29 with today's edition of Come Alive. Backsliding again means you're no longer moving forward in your faith and you're moving the opposite direction. See, these are the guys that David had caused to run and scatter when you think about it. These are the guys that David had caused great fear in their lives. And now he's yoked up with them. And David thinks this was a good idea. Proverbs 14, 14 says, A backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. A backslider in his own heart will be filled with his own ways. So you think about it, when you're backsliding, you're doing your own thing. David's not so heathen that he can't win the hearts of other heathens, yet he's not so righteous that he has the the king of the heathen saying, well, you know what? It shouldn't be there. Uh, see, he, he, he's got this guy saying, I think he makes a great heathen. He's an awesome heathen. Look how he's been with us. He's, he's been out killing. He's a heathen living with us. He's been doing what we do. How do you say he's not a heathen? That's what Achish is saying. But again, uh, David is, is one of those guys is that he's, he's still not so heathen that he can win their hearts, and he's still not so righteous that he's got them fully convinced that he's still a Hebrew of Hebrews so to speak. He's a man of God. So the faith-filled victory over Goliath seemed like a very distant, distant thing in David's life, in David's distant memory. But yet in the Philistines' mind, they're like, hey man, wait a minute. This is dangerous territory. The Philistines remembered it well, David didn't. And the reason you can tell they remembered it well is, well, they got the top 10 hit here. Uh, They got the top 10 hit that they sang about David. And it's like, well, how would they know that song? Uh, Wasn't it sung in Israel? Uh, But they have it. Look at verse 6. It says, Then Achish called David and said to him, Surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright, and you're going out, and you're coming in with me, and the army is good in my sight. For to this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the Lord's do not favor you. And so here, as the Lord lives, is, is this little unexpected 
phrase in a Philistine's vocabulary, it can be that Achish has actually committed himself to David's God, which I don't think is true at all, or he's actually being courteous to David. He's actually being very courteous to David and thinking that I just laid this guy off from the army and I feel bad for him. I don't, I don't want him to totally be bummed out and get mad at me because David uh, is somebody to, to reckon with. So he'd just been commended for honesty when all through chapter 27 you see this, David has lied to this guy. All through chapter 27, all he did is lie to the king. So David thought he couldn't be happy or at peace in the land of Israel, according to 1 Samuel 27.1. And so, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. Remember when David said that in, in 1 Samuel 27.1? He goes, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. So he's thinking, man, you know, there's nothing better for me. That's what David thinks. God didn't tell him to escape there and go there. So now he finds that his Philistine friends won't accept him either. So now he's out of Israel. He doesn't have his, his, his heathen friends won't accept him either. And so he has no home. He's trying to live in both worlds. So basically what happens when you do that is you have a home in neither world. As a Christian, if you walk the fence, if you try to live a Christian life and, well, the CIA Christian life and be like all the rest of your friends that aren't Christians, you really don't have a home. It's a very uncomfortable, unsatisfying, unhappy place. And a lot of people know that. And so for him to do that, he's not going to ever find satisfaction. So no doubt David didn't like being rejected by those Philistine rulers. Nobody likes rejection. Not, Not many people do. But God would rather use that rejection of the ungodly people in David's life than have David continue to walk down a dangerous path. And sometimes that may happen in your life. Maybe you've been rejected by someone that's ungodly. Maybe you've been fooled by a person that said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and it looked like a Christian, it tasted like a Christian, it was everything Christian there, but all of a sudden one day, and it could have been many years down the road, one day it didn't do the Christian thing. And it just got cut off and it stopped. And that Christian, or supposed Christian, is really no longer walking with the Lord. See, many people are hesitant to live all out for Jesus Christ because they're afraid of the rejection of the ungodly. But you know what? That's just the way it's got to be sometimes. We need to be rejected by them. But also we need to be willing to love them and say, hey, we're not going to reject you because that really opens doors. How much better is it for, to be all out for Jesus and to trust that if the ungodly reject us, God's going to use it for good, for our good and for theirs? It could be for both. And I think it will happen. In many ways, David's in the worst place for any child of God, for any Christian. If you're a Christian and you're in that spot, it's a bad place. See, he has too much of the world in him to be at peace with the Lord, and he's got too much of the Lord in him to be at peace with the world. And that's what happens to those people who try to walk that fence. God's speaking to David through this, but David, again, is not listening. Look at verse 7. And therefore, return now, and go in peace that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. I find that phrase hilarious. When you think about who David is and what David had done when Goliath was standing out there calling names at the children of Israel, do you think David thought, well, gosh, if I go down there and kill that guy, I'm really going to displease the lords of the Philistines? David used to displease the lords of the Philistines. He, he used to be this mighty warrior for the cause of God. 
And he used to strike fear in the heart of every enemy of God. Now David's concerned about displeasing the lords of the Philistines. All right, I'll go. I'll do whatever you say, Achish. So is this the same David who fought Goliath? We know it is, but it's not the same guy in spirit. Could you imagine someone coming to David before that battle with Goliath and saying, excuse me, David, I don't think you should do that because, you know, you might displease the lords of the Philistines. What do you think David's response would have been? He might say, well, of course I'm going to displease the lords of the Philistines. What do, you, what do you want me to do? I want to displease the lords of the Philistines. I can't wait to displease the lords of the Philistines. Let me know if I ever stop displeasing those guys, is what his response probably would have been. But all of that is a distant, distant memory, and that's what happens when someone backslides. They tend to forget that when they used to live for God, they displeased a lot of the things that the world stands for. Look at verse 8. It says, so David said to Achish, but what have I done? This guy's like begging. What have I done to deserve this? What have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant? As long as I've been with you, I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king. Poor David. Poor guy. Just gets laid off from the army. And verse 9 says, Then Achish answered and said to David, I know that you're as good in my sight as an angel of God. I mean, do you just see this guy petting David's head, just kind of rubbing him and love? It's weird. Very weird. I know that you're as good in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to the battle. Uh, My guys don't want you here, David. And I'm going to listen to them. Now therefore, verse 10, rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you. And as soon as you are up early in the morning and you have light, depart. And so they take off. David really wanted to fight against Israel. He, he, he seems bummed out that he has been laid off, but here we see God working. We see God working again. See, God wouldn't let him do this thing because this would be a huge mistake. Sometimes God says no, and he keeps us from sinning even though we really, really want to. Anybody ever been there? I remember early on in my Christian walk, Man, I really wanted to blow it. I was just like, man, I'm going to go and I'm going to hang out with these guys because I hadn't hung out with them. I got a little freedom here. Uh, Our pastor just spoke about Christian liberty so I can do a certain amount of stuff and still be good. And then I'll go to church on Sunday. It's Friday. I'll party like it's on sale for $19.99. And then Saturday, I'll repent all day and I'll be at church on Sunday. And I remember every time I tried to leave, I'd walk out the door and I'd look at my Bible. And I mean, I'm, I'm probably two months into my walk. I'd look at that Bible and be like, oh, I need to get back. And I'd sit down and I started just getting frustrated. I couldn't relax. I couldn't get comfortable. So I thought, well, I'll just drink some shots here at the house. And then I was like, oh, yeah, well, you dumped all that out when you got saved. Because I was like, I'll just pass out. And then that way I won't get in any trouble with these guys. Because these guys were nothing but trouble. And so I remember walking around the house just in circles, and, and it was like a, an argument in my head. And I was arguing out loud. Luckily, no one was home. I was walking around inside my house screaming and yelling, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, but I do want to go, I do want to go. And my phone's ringing, hey, man, you coming? Where are you at? We're in the desert. We're at the rock. And I'm like, oh, man, all right, I'll be there in a minute. And I'd hang up the phone, I'd walk out the door, and I'd turn around, and, just, and then I got in my Jeep, and I drove down the street, and I made the wrong turn, 
And then I just stopped, and I was like, God, if you really don't want me to go. And I was driving down, and my Jeep died. And so I'm like, well, I can cruise down because it's all the way downhill. And so I couldn't even get it turned around. And I was like, oh, man, I'm in a lot of trouble. i got to leave my Jeep here overnight. And so I looked. It was plenty of gas. I lifted the hood and messed around, really tried to start it. I really wanted to go. I, really, I was going to go because I'd already said yeah, and, I, and these guys are like, remember, you're a Christian, so don't lie to us. They remembered I was a Christian. I struggled that I was a Christian. My Jeep wouldn't start, so I had to walk two blocks back to my house. I made a phone call. They had already left, so I didn't go. Next morning, I got up, went over to see what was wrong with my Jeep, called a friend that knew stuff about mechanics, he goes, there's nothing wrong with it. Start it. Let's see what's going on. I started right up, turned around, drove it, parked it in my driveway and felt horrible. Weird. Or God. It was God. So here sometimes, no matter how bad you want to sin, God's going to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to let you. I'm, not going, to, I'm going to do everything in my power. Now, I could have called somebody else and gotten a ride, but I was just worn out. The argument in my head was way too much. Again, a backslider would be filled with his own way. And David had lost his reason. He's not even thinking straight. And that's what happens when we want to sin so bad. And God says, no, I don't want you to. David's heart's in a bad place. But God hasn't abandoned him. God hadn't left him. God has stepped in and he's caused the Philistines to tell David to get away. This ain't your fight, David. This is ours. Not on this side of the line anyway. This is not your fight. You should be fighting us. Uh, that's what a real friend would do. If you have a real heathen, you'd be like, hey, man, you shouldn't, shouldn't be doing this. You should be on the other side of the line. Either it's 100% or none. This morning I had a conversation with a friend, and we were talking about witnessing to parents and how tough that is sometimes. And I remember telling somebody when my dad passed away a week before he died, I'd had a conversation with him asking him where he stood, and he, he wasn't sure. So, you know, I kind of, as I was telling this person this, I said, well, you know, he, he didn't make a decision either way. And I caught myself and I'm like, yeah, he did. If he didn't decide for Jesus Christ, he decided against Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, you're either for me or against me. And there's no middle ground. Well, you, we'll let you go ahead and stay here in limbo and you'll be okay. And we'll fight around. No, it's either for him or against him. It's either 100% or none at all. A lot of it, well, I'll give you 80% of my will. Oh, no. Because that 20% will get you in trouble. What about 90? 10% will get you even in worse. What about 95? Five's even tougher. Because you'll, you'll soon find out 5% really increases quickly. If the stock market or your investments were like that, man, you'd be a rich person. But it's always the opposite. See, Achish's rejection is actually David's protection. Sometimes the rejection of the world, those people that are out there, those things where you might feel rejected... Uh, maybe you really thought it was a good idea or it's a good relationship or it's a good way to go and it's a rejection, it's a no. That might actually be more for your protection than anything. So the rejection winds up being David's protection and he doesn't even know it. So do you have a heathen or a Christian or both telling you the same thing? Maybe you got a Christian friend telling you one thing and a heathen friend telling you the same thing and you might want to just stop and go like, wow, you know, this whole thing, it could be God. The heathens are like, no fighting. And you know what the Hebrews would say if they saw David out there? Hey, you shouldn't do this, David. He'd hear it from both ends. Look at verse 11. So David and his men rose early to depart in the morning, 
to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. So where do they return? He doesn't go home. He goes back to the heathens. goes back to heathen territory. So David goes back to enemy territory. He decides to continue to live in that lifestyle. Instead of a wake-up call, he returns to the craziness that he actually thinks that this is a really good place. It's not a good place. He, as we said earlier, will not ever be satisfied walking that fence. Look at chapter 30, verse 1. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked, I mean, uh, invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were with Um, who were there from small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So here's the problem. He returns to Ziklag. He goes back home. He finally decides he gets smart. Chapter 30, uh, an amount of time passes. David decides he's going to return home. He comes back home, and notice what happens. He rides into town, and he notices something. Hey, Shlomo, wasn't your house over there, bro? Well, it looks like there's, somebody had a big barbecue. It's all burned down. And then they ride in a little more, and they're like, hey, where, where, where are our girls? Where are the women? Where's my wife? Where are the children that used to play in the street? Well, they're all gone. They've been attacked. The town he and his men had lived in had been pillaged. David, you bailed. There was no protection. This happened just a few days before they returned. If David would have been wise enough just to not ever have left, that probably would have never happened. And so the Amalekites, bro, they they got all your stuff. They got your girls. They got your family. See, when you backslide, when you decide to do things your own way, you run the risk of losing stuff, whatever that may be. Your family, you can lose your car, you lose your house. Possibly your life. And if you don't physically lose your life, well, you could lose it in many different ways. Spiritually. If you remember how all this began, it began with David not communicating with God. How all these problems, I mean, you know, he he lived a good year and a half with the enemy. He partied hard. So how does this happen? He didn't communicate with God. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John 14, 21, you scoot down a little further there. It says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Think of David would have just hung out with God a little more. God would have said, hey, Dave, let me just give you a hint. A little open communication with God really helps a lot. A lot of prayer time is very important. A lot of people, oh, well, I don't have time for prayer. I've got to go to work. John fifteen four says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. David produced no fruit when he was in the, in, in the enemy's land. And, and then what gets severed also is his family. He lost all his stuff. It says, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Oh, yeah, Mark, but I remain in the Lord. I I do all this stuff. Really? Really? You just kind of stay inside? Because you think about the branch and and, and all. Everybody knows plants need sunshine. But not just sunshine. 
Because if it just got sunshine and no storms ever came in your life to water, oh, well, those roots would never go deep and eventually you die. See, David just wanted sunshine. He got sunshine. We don't read of any problems coming his way until, hey, bro, you can't fight with us. And that's really not a big problem because I'd be like, man, well, cool. Me and the 600, we're all going to live. But what happens? What dies where his roots are? The roots die. His family's gone. The Amalekites came in and took him away. The only proper evidence of love to Jesus is is not a mere profession of faith. When you think about it, it's not just a mere profession of faith because that's no proof of love. That's part of it. You need to have a profession of faith. But that love for Jesus that leads us to do his will, to do his will, to do what God wants us to do, not what we want to do. Because remember, the backslider does his own deal. But the Christian does God's will. And to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow him through good and bad, to trust that God knows what the best course of our action needs to be, no matter what the danger is in the road, no matter what lies ahead. You might look at it like David. Man, Saul's after me. He's trying to kill me. You know what? I just want peace and I just want rest. Kind of like what David said. It's like, man, you know, sometimes we're always trying to get a little bit of extra sleep, a little folding of hands, a little closing of the eyes. It leads to poverty. Oh, Lord, why am I not having all these spiritual blessings? Well, dude, if you just wake up and get off the couch, something could possibly happen. You've been taking care of yourself so much. Look at that. Trying to get that promotion at work. You, you denied the things that are godly to do the things that are world. Well, yeah, if I could just have more money, I'd be able to donate more. And nobody ever does that. Very few people do. See, God didn't reveal his whole will to Christ all at once. Right? He didn't do it all at once. He didn't say, hey, here it is from beginning to end. Here's a sheet of paper. Follow this. You'll, you'll make it. He did it day by day according to the circumstance of the hour. David seemed to know, seemed to need to know the whole thing all at once. And if he didn't, then you know what? I'm just going to go hang out with the heathen. If David would have said back in chapter 27, you know, I don't seek my own will, but the will of the Father, my God, who sent me, well, then we'd see a different story here. He would have been ready to go to any length in denying his own will and doing what God had wanted, but he wasn't. He chose to do his own thing. He backslid. Are we able to do this? Are you as a Christian able to do this? I mean, this is hard. It's not easy. But nobody said Christianity was going to be a cakewalk. See, this is the obedience he calls us to and empowers us for. He gives us his Holy Spirit to help us with that. So where are we? And what are you? We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. 
We are a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.